Hey, good Monday evening, everybody. It is 8 p.m. Monday night, December 10th, I believe. That means it's time for yet another episode of FM Rager. Hey, everybody, this is Connor Clifton, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Ned Gale. Ned, how the heck are you doing? Oh, hello. Oh, I'm doing fantastic, feeling like a, an explosive starburst of uh, energy and colors. That's great. That's what I love to hear. I hope we can carry it on for the rest of the show here. Uh, Ned, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. Let's Tell get to me. brass taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was your brass tax? weekend? <laughs> My weekend was so good. Uh, it was a five-day weekend. Uh, took Thursday and Friday off, and then also took off Wednesday because I got sick. Oh, but yeah. the reason I took those days off was to play the new Smash Brothers game. So being sick didn't do anything for me. It was great. <laughs> yep, you heard it here first. The effing boys, we now have Smash, the new Smash, <laughs> in our apartment. You are all welcome to come over and play it. Bring controllers. It's very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, please come hang out with us. Yeah, or find our friend code. Find us offline. You know how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> and and is that all you did? Just play Smash all weekend? It seems like it. What did we do? We went to the El Bambi. Uh... We both had Friday off. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. both took Friday off so we could play Smash. It's really a blur. And then <laughs> Saturday. <of> sitting down. <laughs> well, Friday we went out. We had yeah, a nice yeah, yeah. time. Oh, we saw Neil Hamburger Friday night. Yeah, we did well, see It was, it was a riot. A laugh riot. Yeah. Oh, man. That was my first time seeing Neil Hamburger live. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I, we, I wish we could quote some of his jokes. But <laughs> Not on air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his wife opened up. She was a magician. That was yeah. fantastic. We got there kind of late and I, I walked in and I was like, oh, what is that? This is magic. Yeah, you were <laughs> excited. I was terrified. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think people know this. If you listen to this podcast, uh, I'm very scared of magic. I don't like it. It freaks me out. Mysticism? No. Witticisms? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm all about those. I like a clever joke. Like <laughs> the next opener for that show, which was Major entertainer. Major entertainer. The I, opening act. <laughs> I met him in the audience, and he just says like, "Yeah, I'm Mike," and I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I saw him get up on stage, like, "Oh, Mike's doing something." Oh, what are you doing up there, Mike? What, oh, oh, why are you taking off your jacket? <laughs> now, Ned, why don't you tell me what was he doing up there? Major entertainer was majorly entertaining us. Uh, he sang a bunch of crazy songs and then did exclusively stand up about coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> coffee comedian. Yeah, he's like, uh, I'm one of the world's premier. Coffee comedians. <laughs> look, we can't even quote that guy. Y'all should definitely look up Neil Hamburger slash Greg Turkington and mm. then Major Entertainer. Uh, I bought a shirt from him and I bought some Neil Hamburger stuff. I was so excited. I loved it. Uh, and then Saturday, we did go to the El Bambi reopening. Mm-hmm. Our friends of the show, uh, El Bambi, they've moved from their Heights location to the door right it's on Dunlavey. right next to uh brazil yeah it's yeah. at the intersection of westheimer and dunlavey right next to brazil prime it's spot aw- awesome spot they're gonna be there and it's so cozy and nice you should definitely go and check it out uh then yesterday we had another meeting getting ready for our live yeah, show the fn rager live stream uh we're very excited the crew is growing and it's gonna be very very fun we put in a lot of work um but you know that was the freaking weekend and now it's monday and uh, I think that uh, we can go ahead and just jump into what this month has been about so far. Uh, last week we had Rahul Rao, a good friend of ours, to talk about Hinduism and growing up uh, as a Hindu person here in America. And I loved that show. It was great. Yeah. And we've got another guest that I'll introduce in a bit. But for now, I wanted to play. Let me get the volume up on this thing. So I met with the vice president of the University of Houston's Muslim Student Association. His name is Hadi Rahman. Or Rahman? Yeah. Rahman. Rahman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. uh, our guest, who I have not introduced yet, uh, has told me. Um, and I spoke to him about what the UHMSA was and the major holidays of Islam and uh, a really nice memory he has uh, growing up celebrating these holidays. Oh, awesome. And I really, really like to play it for y'all. So give me a sec here and let me pull it up. The, the University of Houston Muslim Student Association is a organization that was established in around 1964. And it started with 20 to 30 members. And it started with the idea of we want a place for Muslims to come and feel like relaxed and, you know, belonging on the campus. 
we actually had an event, I think two weeks ago, it was called like Halloween. We got together, made like uh, cookies, we ate, you know, watched a movie and just had a very fun, like interactive social, all that kind of stuff. So like anything that friends would do, like, hey guys, we're going to a burger joint, you guys down? And everyone just goes. Or like, hey, we have like a general body beating, but after we're gonna go get tapioca, everyone's down. It's like, yeah, sure. Being Muslim is, a, is like the starting point. And from there, it's just like, oh, hey, like, what's up? How are you doing? Like just normal friends. So in Islam, we have about two uh, main holidays and they're both Eids. So Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. The way it works is that the reason that we have those two is because the rest of the time we believe are like blessed days as well. You live your life and it's like, okay, blessed to be here, blessed to have this. And then the end of those two days specifically correlate to certain events in our Islamic calendar. The way it works is that Eid al-Adha is the bigger of the two Eids. It's the more holier version. It's known, I guess the direct translation is the festival of sacrifice. A lot of it is that we actually celebrate um, in the story of the Bible, it's where Abraham sacrificed his son and then it was replaced with the lamb. It's actually that exact same story where we celebrate Abraham's love for God and his obedience to God. And instead of sacrificing his son, obviously God replaced it with the lamb. That's where that one comes off of. And it's more so based in like, okay, this shows man's love for God, man's obedience to God. The other one, Eid al-Fitr, is based on our Prophet, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. He basically said that, okay, after the 30 days of fasting in Ramadan, this is like the big celebration. Like, oh, you guys did it. You guys fasted for 30 days. This is the day that you guys get to celebrate and be about you. So those are the two holidays that we as Muslims celebrate on a yearly basis. We went to my grandma's house and it was a, it was like 40 to 50 people in the house. I believe it was Eid al-Fitr. We all just finished fasting. So it wasn't the bigger of the Eids, but we go to the same house regardless of wherever it is. We sat down and we realized because my grandma personally has like 16 or 15 grandkids. It's very fun to see that, I guess, the patriarch of the house. Everyone goes to that house. Everyone goes to this place where this person is and everyone goes to see them. People from North Houston, people from South Houston, East Houston, West Houston all over Houston coming in bringing food and presents the one that I remember is that we're all sitting around we're playing Mario Kart or Mario Party one of those two and like these kids come up and I'm playing and I, cause like oh, I wanna play I wanna have fun and, I, and I'm winning and then these kids come like oh we wanna play and it's like I look and there's like line of kids who wanna play and it's like man the idea that when it's my turn to host these parties or when it's my turn to host a family it's like I know that I have a, this is a tradition that's gonna keep going you know it's a tradition that my family will live my, my kids will live my kids will enjoy you know my brothers sisters will enjoy so the idea of everyone can just Despite the differences, everyone still comes together. All right, so that was my interview with Hadi. Uh, yeah, that was nice. Thank you. I uh, it's been a long time since I put together. That's called a sound portrait. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while. But uh, Hadi, uh, I not only had a really nice time talking to him, but he recommended our guest today, oh. who I Facebook stalked. <laughs> watch some of their videos. Watch some of what they do. All right, so this guy. He is a slam poet. He is the one of the co-captains for the U of H Kook Slam. Uh, I'm very excited for him to talk to us about what it was like growing up Muslim here in America. He has two last names, <laughs> <laughs> and I can only remember one of them, and it's not the right one, but it's Muhammad Yunus. And Muhammad, what is your other first name? Uh, last name. Kar- last name. Kar- what is it? One more time. Kai Risman. All right, can we Kai start Risman. off? Why do you have two last names? Okay, so in so I was born in Indonesia, right? I was born in Cimahi, Indonesia, um, uh, which is like a few hours away from Jakarta, the capital of Indonesia. But basically, in Indonesia, you don't have to have your parents' last name like we, like people do in America. So um, so when uh, I was born, my parents decided uh, that they would combine their first names. Khairani and Adrisman and made Khairisman. Oh, cool. And so they just like made that up. Uh, <laughs> like, they, it started with my eldest brother, uh, Indra Khairisman, then my second older brother, um, Andre Khairisman, and then Muhammad, the name was given uh, to me by my grandpa, and I was Muhammad Khairisman. But then I jump into, uh, I travel through time into America. <laughs> <laughs> and and to make uh, the... the um, the the school process easier my dad's last name was Eunice which side note he had no last name growing up Eunice is his dad's first name um, and so he chose Adrisman Eunice when he came to America um, and if that's not confusing enough and then so we, we're registering for school and so that uh, to make the the process easier and not have to go through the question of why is your son Kairisman but you're Eunice and so on and so forth he just named all everyone Indra Yunus, Andre Yunus, and Muhammad Yunus. And so throughout my whole educational career, I was 
uh, Muhammad Fahrul Yunus. Um, but then, like, all my legal documentation, like my driver's license, my green card, my social security, all that good stuff is Muhammad Kairisman because that's my that's what's on my birth certificate. And so going into college, um, I had to go by my real name again. And so that's been an identity <laughs> crisis. <laughs> that's just been like, who am I? Uh, on top of going into college, on top of figuring that. Yeah, that's that, why you go to college. Yeah, 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 to that find exactly. Yourself. And then I, I was like, oh, I found out I have been a lie. You yeah. just had to get through a few names and then yeah. you could find Exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, it's like now that I got the name right, I can do the rest of this paper. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> no, le- legitimately, legitimately. And so, um, and so now I'm in the process of getting my citizenship, and I've been on, I've been on, um, uh, because when you become a citizen, you get to officially change your name or keep your name or whatever you want to do. You get this choice, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> oh, oh, I, was I like, had no idea. Yeah, legitimately. And so it's like if someone was named Muhammad Yunus, but they wanted to be called. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> you know, they could change their name legally to Mark Ruffalo um, through the citizenship process. To my oh, understanding, I didn't know that was part yeah. of that. Yeah, no. legitimately, huh. and so don't join SAG after you'll have to change your name. Oh yeah. my goodness, yeah. oh, exactly, yeah. exactly, and I'll have to get through that when I get to that. No, but um, and so now I'm in this, I'm in this choice of uh, do I become Muhammad Fahrul Kairisman, Muhammad Fahrul Yunus, or Muhammad Fahrul Kairisman Yunus or Yunus Kairisman. And so now I'm just like I don't know. It's it's going to be confusing. And of course way. you're announcing it on the radio show today. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> big information drop! Yeah. <laughs> Find out tonight yeah. on my Instagram. I'll, I'll I'll do a live choice. <laughs> I'll do a live name reveal. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's start with talking about. Uh, you mentioned you're mm-hmm. you know you're here in college right now. Yeah. Uh, you go to the University of Houston. Uh, you're uh, getting your BFA. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to? pursue that because you're also like i said a slam poet yeah how does this all i <laughs> how did we get here yeah <laughs> i don't know, you know any other slam poets okay um so the other day i was writing my um so i'm in this voice and movement class and we have to write like an autobiography of kind of like our development and our growth through this class and i just started writing about my life and i'm just like oh my god how did i get here because uh, throughout my whole childhood i've always wanted to be an astronaut like that has that has been the one thing that has been clear. If you ever look at any, at any of my like college prep things in my early days of high school, it's all like I'm gonna go to Harvard, I'm gonna to Yale, I'm gonna go to all these amazing schools, become yeah. a phenomenal engineer, work for NASA, go to space. It's gonna be amazing, and right. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, towards tenth grade of high school, truly twelfth grade theater arts just kind of kidnapped me and wouldn't let me go mm-hmm. you know um i had the opportunity to show my last year of high school called um uh in the heights uh written by lin-manuel miranda the writer of oh, hamilton yeah name drop <laughs> uh, I got this opportunity. you wrote a play about the Heights. yeah yeah right <laughs> no but uh, i got to do this show called in the heights um where i played this character usnavi and um and from this uh experience i had the opportunity to win uh, Houston's Tommy Toon Awards, which is like the regional yeah. uh, high school musical awards for um, high school kids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and so from Tommy Toons, I was propelled to the Jimmy Awards or the National High School Musical uh, Theater Awards, which is uh, hosted by NYU and perform on Broadway. So I was able to make my Broadway debut the summer what? after my 12th. <laughs> right? Whoa. I'm saying it out loud. I'm yeah, just like, yeah. how? Congrats. And, and thank you. Man. Thank you. And, and, and this was three years ago. But what's crazy is that like up until that point, um, maybe earlier than that, I, I didn't realize that this was a career path. I didn't realize that this was this was an option. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up, I grew up, um, and I guess this is an experience many um, first year immigrant kids have, but just, but just, uh, uh, do, do I become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer? Like, how do I support the people that have supported me mm-hmm. to this point? And so a career of the arts was this weird choice of, I know this is what I'm good at. Like, people have told me I'm good at this. I am earning accolades in this. This is helping me grow as a person. I love this. There's an actual pathway for me, for someone that looks like me, someone that sounds like me, someone from my background. And even though I'm new to it, I want to do this. And this is the first time in my life um, because astronaut was literally a dream that was kind of up in the air, um, but literally. but acting was was something tangible, yeah, yeah and yeah. something ta- something actually um, something I could reach. You know, uh, I just saw the pathway. I saw I saw the pathway, and I've just been pursuing it since then. 
But um, that's all thanks to, I mean, uh, my high school theater teacher, Kendra Willoughby. You know, uh, it's it's crazy. She auditioned. So, who? <laughs> oh my God! You shouldn't have asked me about theater. No, no, <laughs> no this is good. This is what we want to hear. Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, so the um, the summer after my eleventh grade year, there in high school, there's this thing called the National Thespian Festival, which mm-hmm. is where a whole bunch of uh, high school theater nerds all come together and yeah, enjoy theater. Cody just did that with his students. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. No, and and so I um, I, I had the opportunity to compete in duet musical with my partner, but she had to go to um to her college to do entrance exams to figure out like what level of dance classes she can start at acting classes so on and so forth and so i went to uh thespians uh thinking i was going to start competing but now i just have all this free time so i don't know what to do and uh kendra willoughby she signed me up for college auditions and out of the and so I'm walking to these auditions, like not really sure what I'm expecting. I'm yeah, just like, let's yeah. just do this. Um, but this is and this is before In the Heights, before Tommy Tunes, before Jimmy's, before it was solidified. And so I went in, I auditioned, and out of the 72 schools that were there, like 69 of them called me back, something Dang. like that. And so like at that moment, because growing up, I knew that that I wanted to go to college. I just didn't know. Just like nothing clicked enough. Yeah, for me, you yeah. know, like, you wanted the higher education, but you didn't know exactly where you wanted. And where most to people, it. most people go through this, and people in college, and people out mm-hmm. after they graduate college, are still going through this. But um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to our radio show. Well, yeah. Welcome, welcome. Uh, it's every Monday. <laughs> no, um, but it's crazy, and and I think it was just a confirmation that that acting was co- college worthy. Mm. Acting was something. Uh, uh, something that you can pursue as a career option. Um, uh, the idea that, uh, and I realize, and this ties into Islam kind of, it does tie into Islam. I think if I wasn't Muslim, I wouldn't be an actor right now. Um, because I realize that if I'm in this belief that, that in Islam, like we're in this belief that there's one God and whatnot. Um, and, 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 and we have this, uh, this belief that he is the provider. He is the source of trust and support and inspiration and whatnot. If, if that is my belief, like if that is what I say my belief is, then how is it I'm willing to doubt myself? You know, if, if he is the provider, then he's going to provide to this. I just have to put in the work. I just have to walk the path and whatever the objective is, whatever the end is, will happen as it comes. Yeah. And so having that realization on top of the college auditions, on top of In the Heights the next year, just literally theater just kidnapped me immediately because I don't have a musical theater background. Uh, if my friends can tell you, I'm like a bad singer. I'm an okay singer. I'm great at karaoke, you know? But Yeah, there you go. I'm great at karaoke, but I am a horrible singer. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm taking vocal lessons, but we're just not there yet. But my background is in hip-hop. Like, I, I was telling you, um, like, middle school was rap battles and, and, and rap ciphers outside of bus stops, outside of crumb stadium in Ailey Feisty. It was just it, it was just something that I love to do. And I I always say I don't come from a performance background because I didn't go to um, HSPVA or I didn't like take acting classes as a kid and um, and whatnot. But I realized that like performance has always been a part of my life. Yeah, it's um, never officially sanctioned performance, exactly. but you're performing. Exactly. Yeah. And so and so f- coming from that mindset of 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 hip hop of creating something out of nothing, um, transitioning into theater, into this world where, where I get to become, uh, become different people and, and tell their stories and tell my story through their story and just telling stories. I realize that no matter what I do, whether it's acting, poetry, um, rapping, um, vintage clothing, uh, reselling, <laughs> whatever it is, it's, it's always a form of storytelling. Yeah, we've seen your Instagram. You are very fashionable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, yeah. I think very good dress. Shout out to secondhand scoops one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's weird though, because I mean, I grew up, I grew up, I wouldn't say I grew up in a poor uh, household. I I grew up in a working class household, but and so we we were comfortable. We always ate, 
but 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 like getting like a fresh pair of shoes every year, getting like the latest clothing, like that just wasn't a thing in my household. Um, uh, and so and so thrifting and like going to Goodwills and Salvation Armies and 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 uh, getting to buy all these clothes for very cheap, yeah. um, just like helped me start figuring out my source of inspiration and uh, and how I can express myself through clothing. You know, because um, like I've always I've always looked at clothing as a as a as a storytelling tool. I I mean it especially especially um, after watching Devil Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> like legitimately yeah. legitimate. I, like I was watching this movie and I'm like, oh my god, that's so true. It's like it's like oh whatever. I just buy plain white tees and a denim jacket but then it's all like that denim jacket has so much history to it like what were the inspirations for denim as a fabric how did we get that how did we decide we wanted to start dyeing it what made us start doing acid wash in the 80s what made us start doing color blocking in different proportion in the 90s see that's why you look good because <laughs> the amount of thought that I give my clothes what's cheap yeah. what fits I feel that what yeah. covers my butt yeah. <laughs> no legitimately all I need and that's, and that's the thing though I mean because like I just finished doing because um, uh, uh, I'm I'm an acting major, but U of H emphasizes a well-rounded performer, and mm -hmm. so we also have to take like lighting classes and uh, set classes, good, and costume good, yeah. design and whatnot. And so I just finished my costume technology class, and it's so true. It's like when you go see a show, like uh, whether a movie or a play or whatever, if it's something visual, the first thing you see is what they're wearing or what they're not wearing. Yeah, yeah, And so and it's it's real because it's like. Um, uh, immediately without without the character having to speak without the character having to interact with anybody mm. you see them wear something and that there is a narrative within that and so a lot of theater is just arbitrary picking things and and saying there's a storyline with it <laughs> <I definitely, laughs> no. when i have to do a costume or when we're doing a show mm -hmm. I, I i will get down to my accessories yeah like, i i once dressed up as like a don't tread on me guy yeah and i went i did the facial hair right nice. i got the hat i got a gold watch that it's just very classic uh, yeah. in that ilk i i you're right it, yeah it, it, yeah, d no. defining details. I mean, exactly. like I've got buttons on my jacket right now. I feel exactly. like each button's got an, an extra little chapter yeah, in the it's story. Like, <laughs> it's like everything we do is um, is just. I feel like life is just figuring out things we like and things we yeah. don't like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like if you really like Bob's Burgers and you see a cool Bob's Burgers pin, you throw that on your jacket. I do have a Bob's Burgers shirt. There you go. <laughs> and so it's like someone sees that Bob's Burgers shirt and it's like, oh man, I love Bob's Burgers too. What's your name? And so that's literally a conversation <laughs> yeah, start. Yeah, connections are made. Yeah. Oh yeah, or people stand awkward and oh, it's like, wow. oh, cool shirt. No, I've only gotten a, <laughs> you shouldn't be wearing that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fanny? This is awake. Why are you putting on the <laughs> <laughs> No, man. But, but I, I love that. I love that, you know. Um, yeah. Now, if if I could, I'd like mm -hmm. to steer back. To, we heard the mm -hmm. interview with Hadi. Yes. Uh, I definitely want to talk to you about your experience growing up Muslim. Mm -hmm. When did you come to America? So the timeline's kind of wonky. Um, but generally, it was, I was born in Indonesia. I came here when I was two. And then I was back and forth um, until I was about seven years old. And then uh, my parents got divorced, and so me and my little sister Sarah went with my mom to Indonesia, and my two older brothers stayed here in America. And so then I was in Indonesia for about three years before I came back here with my dad at 10 years old, and then I've been in America ever since. Always in uh, Texas, or? Always in Texas, okay. yeah. Traveled all over, but but never having like a home other anywhere else other than in Texas, specifically yeah. Houston. So what... Um what was it like growing up Muslim in Texas? <laughs> hey, no, I, I, I got you. No, I got you. Honestly, truly blessed, to be honest. Um, like, Texas, specifically Houston, has one of the largest Muslim communities um, in the nation. Like, the uh, ISGH, and uh, which is the Islamic Society of Greater Houston, has, like... 45 plus masjids and ma uh, and musallah which is like smaller masjids or mosques whichever you prefer saying um and so and so finding a place to pray finding mm -hmm. a community a muslim community to be around was never difficult um but what was interesting is that i didn't realize that it was so large until eighth grade i want to say eighth seventh grade because indonesians um culturally um we're very isolationist people, I want to say. No disrespect <laughs> to all the Indonesian uncles and aunties in Houston. I'm sorry. Like I feel like we're very isolationist because the Indonesian embassy is in Houston. Um, and so uh, throughout the week, it's an embassy. And then on the weekends, it's kind of like a hangout 
um, like uh, uh, Indonesian moms will will cook things and sell things uh, there. Uh, the kids will run around, play around like the the, the pool table there. They have like a little musalla there. They have like a playground and a park. And so this was kind of a community center too. And so um, throughout my life until eighth until seventh grade. Um, the only Muslims I, were inter- I was interacting with were Indonesian Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't realize Muslims could be not Indonesian until eighth grade. <laughs> and as crazy as that is in like a world of social media and internet and whatnot, um, I didn't realize that until eighth grade. Um, I lived uh, with my eldest brother for a little bit and we were in the Alif area, kind of, uh, the uh, Wilcrest and Bissonette area. Mm-hmm. And so we went to a masjid that was predominantly Pakistani Indian. And I was like, what? Wait, you tell me you're not Indonesian? Wait, what? Wait, what? And, and it's like, in my head, of course, duh, there would be more than Indonesians um, that are Muslim, but, but I just didn't realize that. And uh, I, I wasn't exposed so you, you to You just that. hadn't encountered it. Yet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. And, and it's like, I didn't grow up in a household uh, where we had like, everyone had phones or everyone had computers and whatnot like my dad was an engineer and he was always working on computers but it's not like today right yeah <laughs> it was it was right. a dinosaur can't let go of my computer exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah no legitimately you have to like you have to like you have to fire it up you have to you have to hope that the cro- uh, the rain is out today so the crops can grow so that the you know, windows can finally turn on um uh and and like facebook was in its beginning phases or whatever yeah and so it's like um I just I didn't encounter that. I didn't encounter other Muslims other than Indonesians. And so when I finally did, it was amazing, honestly. It was amazing and it hurt. Um so the amazing part was just realizing how large the community was. Um mm-hmm. in in Islam there's this word called ummah, which means nation. And uh and that's often how we refer to like us as a con- as a whole throughout the world mm-hmm. uh, as an ummah um mm-hmm. or uh, this this collective this collective people. Or whatnot, right? Uh, I'm unfortunately my Arabic is horrible, so I I don't even know what the yeah, actual ours translation is. Even is. worse, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it's all good. But um, but uh, it was amazing because I got to meet all these different types of people. I got to meet different versions of Islam because because um, because Islam is 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 a is a way of life uh, per se, and and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't um. It doesn't tell everyone to live the same way. It just tells people to do good and leave bad, right? And so, and so that just that just uh, means different things to different people, I guess. Like our prayers are all the same. Like uh, like our prayers are the same. Our, uh, how we go to pilgrimage is the same. How we pay charity is the same. Uh, like all the fundamental aspects of Islam, the five pillars and whatnot, are all the same. But it's like how people prayed were different and so like encountering that was just crazy to me could you mm-hmm. walk us through the five pillars of islam absolutely yeah, yeah so so islam is made of five pillars uh the first is the shahada which is the testament of faith uh faith uh which is uh ashadu ala ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammad rasulullah uh which is a the arabic phrase for i bear witness that there is no god worthy being worshipped except allah which is the arabic word for god um and that Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, is the last and final messenger of God. And so this testament of fate <clears throat> is is the very first thing that any human being um, needs to say if they wish to become Muslim. We don't do anything um, crazy or complex. Just saying this statement um, in Arabic or in English and whatnot uh, is you solidifying that you're Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's accessible, per se. And it's also, interestingly, linguistically, because I'm a language nerd <laughs> linguistically it's one of the few things you can say completely with your mouth closed like Muhammad you can I mean people won't understand it but you can, <laughs> but, but you can yeah then you can say anything with your mouth <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's like it's, it's one of uh, linguistically like our, t- our mouth doesn't have to open to say that phrase mm, um, you don't like, need to accident any of the exactly, consonants yeah. exactly and so yeah. that just blew my mind but anyway yeah, that's, um, sh- that's the first pillar of Islam <laughs> <laughs> like when I heard that sequoia is one of the words that has all the vowels <laughs> yeah I was like what wow. it's weird it's weird man um, and the first pillar is shahada, the testament of fate. Uh, second is salah, which is um, prayer. Uh, so, so in Islam, there's five daily prayers that are that are um, that you must do, right? Uh, there's there's the morning prayer, fajr. There's the midday prayer, dhuhr. There's the prayer in the afternoon, asr. There's the prayer after. Uh, 
uh, when the sun is setting, Maghrib, uh, and then there's a prayer at night when the stars are out, Isha. And so these are the five daily prayers. Um, there's a specific body ritual that we do. That sounded weird. <laughs> there's a specific body movement that you do for these specific prayers. And so it's a little bit higher than just um, uh, how we would normally think of prayers as like asking for God for something. Um, it's something that it, it's, it's, a, it's a level above that per se. Uh, and so Salah is five things that we do every day. Do all Muslims do it every day? They try to. And so, but, um, but generally um, five is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then the third is, uh, it's, a, I always flip. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter to order, but zakat is charity. So obligatory charity. So every, um, so part of Islam is giving back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, much like any other religion, but zakat is a specific amount that you give, uh, from, from your sitting wealth. So that means if you're a broke college student and your money's always going in and out of college tuition <laughs> and, uh, and uh, fixing your car and so on and so forth, it's like you don't have the responsibility of having to give zakat per se. Um, but, but if you have like a savings account where your money is just not moving, it's just there, it's like point something, something percent has to be taken out of and given as zakat. And throughout the year, there's other different types. I don't know if Hadi mentioned, like, there's different types of charity that you give for Eids and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, he mentioned uh, giving a lamb. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you can also, like, uh, in, t- in modern days, you can also give, like, a monetary value that would equal that and so on and so forth. Um, but zakat is the third pillar. I will admit, Ned, if you ever could yeah. bring me a dead lamb, <laughs> I, I would I would prefer the check. We we did get that turkey check from the the neighborhood. Yeah, we might we just had be able to. Nice. It literally story. says only for turkey. Only for turkey. <laughs> yeah. We got the check Dude. and we were like, cool, fifty okay. bucks. So but. it's like it's that's always crazy because it's like when I, whenever people are like, uh, we we slaughter a lamb as a celebration, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it sounds so bloody, but in reality, it's like. Don't we we do that for food? It's like, just yeah, it's, it's just it's, being prepared. It's yeah. being prepared. It's just the word slaughter. The word slaughter is just so. Oh, you oh know? It, it sounds like a full arm motion yeah, exactly. rather than just like a quick it's, swift. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like a slice. There's a, a, a large axe. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, it's crazy because in, in in Indonesia, like the world literally stops whenever it's Eid. Like um, mm-hmm. like the sh- like there's no traffic like people are doing Eid prayers in in like highways because there's so much everyone stopped like businesses closed oh, that's incredible and people are just celebrating dude like um uh people are eating food they're dancing they're giving gifts it's it it's this colorful explosion i i would say because generally in indonesia um life is just slower paced um or at least maybe it was slower for a seven-year-old <laughs> but uh, not much on the grind exactly, yeah. you know, oh my god it's oh, nap time. Oh, yeah, oh man almost time for my second dinner <laughs> but um no um and that's so that's the third um pillar of islam zakat and then it's uh fasting which is uh in ramadan why did I say Ramadan like that? Or in Ramadan, uh, uh, we fast uh, in celebration of of the completion of the Quran. So, like fun fact, fun Islam fact, <laughs> uh, the Quran or um, like the Muslim holy book, it when it was first revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, may peace be upon him, it was revealed verbally. It was uh, revealed verbally because the Prophet was illiterate, like he couldn't read or write, uh, oh. which is interesting. Um, uh, Oh man, there's this giant tangent I want to go into, but, but let me stay focused. Let me try to get through the five pillars. I'm only on four, <laughs> but um, and so and so it wasn't it wasn't um, and Islam and uh, in, in the Quran is one of the few books in the world, not just religious texts, but just the few books in the world where where the followers of the religion memorize every single word to the exact punctuation to the exact breath. It's it's crazy. It's like, like legitimately. It's it's just crazy you know uh, like i don't like it doesn't matter if you speak arabic or if you don't um everyone reads the first chapter of the quran the exact same way you know i mean there's different dialects per se but other but it's the exact same word it's which is a uh, it's crazy <laughs> but um so f- so fasting is in celebration of the completion of the quran on top of being a month of remembrance uh, uh a recharge per se i mean uh we pray five times a day as a way to recharge daily and then throughout the week there's the friday prayers to recharge weekly um but then like throughout the year like it, there's this weird different energy when it's Ramadan. I don't know if it's placebo. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's 
it's, it's life, but it's just it feels so much lighter during Ramadan. Ramadan, Ramadan to me, is is, is a time to come back to Islam. Per se, mm-hmm. um, not in the sense that I left it, but in the sense that I've been so busy with everything else during Ramadan. It's like, God, I really have neglected myself spiritually. Yeah, you feel stretched out and you yeah. need to recompress. Back exactly, into that exactly. Warmth. It's yeah. like the masjids are always packed during Ramadan. It's it's just a great energy. Um, also, to anyone that is broken, hungry, or just hungry um, during Ramadan, go to any masjid around you there will be food served yeah. <laughs> you know because we break fast together and so um, I always tell travelers or people that are new to the area find a masjid close to you it doesn't matter if you're Muslim or not um, and just break fast with them when if it's Ramadan uh, it's it's such a good experience I would say um, and then the last pillar of Islam is Hajj which is the pilgrimage so Hajj is a pilgrimage to Mecca to, um, if you are financially physically mentally able to you know, um, and that's the five pillars of Islam. This is the fundamental basis of Islam as a faith. Um, and then everything past that is just branches from these five pillars. Okay. Now, we only have an hour. Ooh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no. Take a breath. Thank you oh, for that. Uh, uh, <laughs> long-winded question. And that's Islam with average Muhammad. <laughs> <laughs> no, legit. So, we mentioned you know we talked briefly about that you're a slam poet mm-hmm. so i want to know more about what that entails yes. how you came to slam poetry because you told mm-hmm. us about how you came to theater mm-hmm. how you came to slam poetry and how you carry islam with you through that. that so um so in eighth grade i was part of this organization called generation jam generation is the generation of action and it was put together by uh uh this amazing human being named uh, Mujahid Fletcher, um, who uh, who is the founder of Islam in Spanish and the Andalusia Center um, here in Houston. But uh, his background is in uh, uh, film and video and audio um, and the visual arts. Yeah, yeah. And so he created the space for youth to come together. Um, and it wasn't poetry specific. It was like poetry or sketches. You could do debates. You could um, do dances. And it was just this space. Come express yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Legit. It was just like, come here um, if you don't have anywhere else to go. And so um, they had open mics. And, and like I said, I came from a hip-hop background. So I would just freestyle or I would um, or I, I'd do something. i just say, i just vomit words and whatnot <laughs> and i would say that was the start of my slam poetry experience but it wasn't until after i graduated high school right here actually um in avant garden um mm, yeah. in, in montrose every single wednesday right about now poetry hosts an open mic or a um or a poetry slam and so the difference is open mic is just kind of free expression. It's not competitive. You can do new stuff that you just wrote that day or you could do prepared pieces. It's yours. In those three, five, six minutes, that's your time. Uh, but then slams is like actually competitive. Um, you'll, you'll be judged for your poetry. It's usually two rounds, uh, five judges, the highest and lowest um, points from uh, from the judges gets dropped. And then your cumulative score uh, from the other three lets you know whether you uh won or not and, okay. not. and so it's this it's it's hype uh yeah, slam no, slam is i'm seeing i've been to a couple of those <laughs> yeah those i'm right getting now, heated so they're, they're i'm, I'm right. getting yeah, heated thinking getting... about it but um but avant-garden um there's this guy named amir safi uh who started it uh who started this uh this this poetry community and, and and this poetry space um and it's one of the few places in houston that has a consistent every single week Rain or shine, doesn't matter what day it is. It's, um, I think, like, in the past three years, I've been living in Houston. Houston, um, I think, like, it got canceled twice, maybe. And so it's like having that consistency was just amazing, right? And so my first year of college, I actually wasn't in the theater school. I missed my on-campus audition. And so... And so my whole first year of college was all theater stuff was stripped away from me because my connection to theater was all high school related. And so I was just kind of having this creative angst, <laughs> I yeah, guess, creative. Yeah, yeah. Where do I put this? Exactly, yeah. legit. And I just had this. And I'm a person that, that thrives in creative spaces. And so being away from from that, from 
from a space where I can do that just hurt a lot. And so my brother suggested I go to write about now poetry. And what's funny is that he's been telling me to go to write about now, like for like two years while I was still in high school and I just never listened until <laughs> I finally just needed to go. And then what's cool is like for $5 only, you can, you can perform, you can watch, you can do whatever you want. Um, and, and, and I just signed up and I just got to perform and, and then, and what's so amazing about right about now is just the, the people, uh, so the community is like everyone that comes together, but there's like, there's like 15, 30, 40 people that are, that are like the, the pillars of right about now. Mm -hmm. And right now they're, they're either professional poets or people that have just been coming since the beginning. And can you name all 40 pillars? No, oh, no. I, I can name, I can name, I can name all, a bunch of them. I can name a bunch of them. I mean, they're freaking giants, man. Yeah, like yeah. Ebony Stewart, uh, Chris Diaz, who's leaving us unfortunately to go to wherever he's going uh but he's, he's <laughs> away <laughs> away he's featuring tomorrow at right about now and he's probably one of my favorite uh poets um ever i, I want to say he's he a, a lot of chris diaz seeing an asian american man perform poetry that is vulnerable uh visceral and truthful made me realize one that i can write like that uh and two that that um that that poetry is so much more than than what I thought it was. I thought it was being this energetic person. I thought it was being at 100, captivating the crowd. And that's part of slam. But mm -hmm. the other aspect of is telling stories. And yeah, so like, yeah. like I said before, it's like it, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If it's storytelling, I love it. Um, and, so I re and, and so right about now really cracked the shell because I thought poems just had to rhyme because I came from rapping. And then I realized that it just it doesn't have to do that there's really no boundary or any rules in slam poetry it's just whatever it's whoever you are um which sounds such like an artsy fartsy <laughs> no but i, I think that kind of ties into what mm -hmm. the show's kind of about i mean yeah. we started the show because we're like we like to party with people this is yeah. how we met all of our creative friends mm -hmm. once you're put in that environment that's when your eyes are like split open you're exactly. like oh my gosh i didn't even think it could be mm -hmm. this way i didn't think you could do things this mm -hmm. way i never thought poetry was this or comedy was exactly this. Yeah. no no that's that's really it and and so from right about now that kind of started my poetry career um i don't have a lot of slam experience oddly enough uh, being the co-slam captain of cool slam that, seems, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that doesn't sound very reassuring but i have poetry performance experience so mm -hmm. in the aspect of actually competing in slam competitions um i'm not that well versed but i've been competing in poetry through speech and debate or through um, theater or um, within like friend circles and then rap battle was is poetry slam uh, yeah. you know what I mean and so and so I was experiencing it in different ways uh, and so finally coming into the poetry slam space and 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 right now um, starting UVH's first poetry community Coog Slam um, with my friend Jazib I love that guy. <laughs> you know, you just need that one guy that's just crazy enough to say yes to things. I still have never met that person. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, it, it's it's crazy because um, so my second year uh, this is still on on the poetry topic. It's like my second year of college. I uh, towards the end of it, um, R. J. Wright, who is a poetry and uh, a professional poet in Houston, he reached out to me and asked if U of H has. How, do we have a poetry team like a slam team and I said no and he's like you should go make that yeah. <laughs> you should go you should go make that yeah. and 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 I did and and it's crazy as a first year organization we've been able to com uh, uh, have a consistent poetry slam or an open mic every single week throughout this whole first semester as an organization that's on, awesome on that's, top yeah. of that like before we even got approved to be an organization we got the bid to host Cupsy now, what is Cupsy? Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cupsy is the Collegiate Union Poetry Slam Invitational. It's the largest uh, collegiate poetry slam competition in the United States. Um, I don't know if it's global. It may be global. I don't know. I don't know. It, poetry is weird because sometimes you have that random team from Australia just pulling up. And I'm like, why are you here? <laughs> you know? Is there not poetry slam in Australia? I feel like they're the bad guys in the movie. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, man. Whatever slam poetry movies come out, it's just yeah. like, oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not the Aussies. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was hosted in, um, in Philadelphia last year. And so... Um, uh, while I was while I was gathering the officers to start Coog Slam, I also uh, 
me and Eve, which uh, who is our sponsor um, and also one of the directors um, at the student center at U of H, um, we applied to host Cupsy at U of H because Houston has such a booming poetry community um, and such a welcoming poetry community that that it was. It was almost shameful that we haven't already done this, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I was like, uh, if U of H really is the the University of Houston, it should represent Houston. Um, and Houston is poetry, um, whether people are poets or not. Like every single day, it's just it's it's being stuck in traffic is poetry. Getting your car towed is poetry. Uh, finally, getting a scholarship is poetry. F- Paying your bills is poetry. It's like all these random mundane, ex- what we think is mundane experiences is what crafts into phenomenal poems. Um, and so... Uh, what about not paying your bills? Is that not paying your bills <laughs> Not paying your bills is gra- is also great for poetry. Because, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, and so uh, we got the bid to host Cupsy. The, uh, uh, and so now we... Uh, one, I'm like, oh, snap. They actually gave it to us, <laughs> uh, but two, but it, it was amazing because I, even though it's ambitious, uh, starting a new organization on top of hosting one of the largest cl- uh, collegiate poetry competitions um, in the nation on the same year was ambitious. Oh, but, yeah. but oh my god, man! Like after one semester, like it's it's rough, and we're learning, of course, right in the background, but in the uh, on on stage and. The response from the students, the faculty, um, the support that Coog Slam has received, it's just been incredible. And that's what blew my mind. Every, every single time we host an open mic, someone new comes up because they've. Oh, that's they, awesome. And, and that's just such an amazing feeling. People that think they can't do poetry and they're like, I prepared this last week because uh, I really I saw y'all and got inspired. I, I hope you like it and just this support and and because i think it's like ultimately it doesn't matter who people are uh it doesn't matter what type of background they come from or where they live i feel like human beings are are living and breathing sorry we're getting a phone call it's oh, like, it's not, it up. can we yeah, we, yeah. Oh, i didn't even wait hear no we can come back oh wait, wait, wait. yeah let's do it hey you're on fm rager uh, is there anyone in my headphones? A little bit of Mickey in my life. Okay. A little bit of Goofy <laughs> right. by my side. So this guy calls every week. <laughs> and he just sings. We don't know who it is. All right. Look. We're running low on time here. I we're love talking, that. We're talking I love that. Cupsy, bro. I love that. No, I really do. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to say else about Cupsy before? You've got a poem. Yeah. That we would love for you to do on our show. Absolutely. Did he hang up? Is he still there? He hung up. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If we ignore him, he goes away. Okay. So, I didn't think that was Mambo Jambo or anything. <laughs> I love that. So could we get you to perform yeah, for absolutely. us? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this poem, what is it called? So this poem is called Changes. All right. Um, yeah. I came to make a new definition of life in my own rendition. Cause life got me missing the glisten and wishing for more vision. Cause the boys in my day and age will sacrifice their futures for a pair of shoes. I'm left like Steve when he left cause he's clearly left with no clues. Got me feeling the blues. And that's a shout outs to Blues Clues before Facebook and YouTube back when thinking outside the box was about solving a Rubik's Cube. And your frustration, man, I feel it too. We all want to break, but life don't come with interludes. Because in the grand scheme of things, is money really the issue? Because the money only holds power because of our own misuse. Its elevated mantle has dismantled our consciousness' relevance, in turn creating a world where the people that hold the most power are dead presidents. How can we expect to be given some change when we can't even spare some change to give? Because working your whole life for a paycheck just isn't a way to live. And I've seen the struggle. From the bottom to the top i've seen talented people wasted because they're too worried about getting shot because the system got us locked in a box it's time to drop pop the top because it's right there in our faces we're just not grabbing the winning slot and if that's a lot to munch on well then they can leave the table because success doesn't come magically like in fairy tales and fables that's why our mind enables us to move to do more than we thought capable so go ahead wake up today and face all of your obstacles because even the impossible is spelled like man i'm possible got me asking what's the sitch like my name was kim possible <laughs> i'm gone right. yeah <laughs> kim okay. possible and blue oh, references beautiful <laughs> love it no, man, i that's literally the first poem i've ever written 
back in eighth grade. And to this day, it is still <laughs> the first poem I perform at any poetry show, at any feature sessions, anything, anything poetry related. I always start with changes and then I go into yeah, the thing. Like oh, that's fantastic. When we do comedy, we have an opener. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have Which one? one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mine is the one, uh, if you hate to laugh, consider this your trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 people like it. I don't know. I usually just go up and my bow tie spins. <laughs> that's beautiful. And everyone's like, ah, yes. <laughs> but I got to pull up to one of y'all's po- a, a comedy show. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, time. Yeah. Legit. legit. Uh, all right, so that brings us to our last segment of the show here. Ah, uh, yes. All right. You'll catch on. I'm, I'm digging it. <coughs> I want a new plug. Tell us what's going on. Tell us all the stuff you're doing after I sing this song. All right, Muhammad, if you have anything to plug. <laughs> <laughs> now is the, the first time you've done that for a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> That was beautiful. <laughs> all right. Plugging everything that's important. Follow on all social media, UH Coog Slam. Go to the ACUI website. Go to the Cubsy section and volunteer. We need as many volunteers as possible. I want I want people to pull up to Houston and recognize that we are the poetry mecca of America. Sorry, Boston. Sorry, anybody else that's mad. Yeah, I Boston that. sucks anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have amazing history, but other than that, yeah, other than that, no, no. But um, no, it really is. I want to show the southern hospitality. I want to show uh, because Houston is thirty minutes away from Houston, <laughs> and so showcasing showcasing us, our diversity, our uh, who we are uh, I want people to see that I want people to see everyone from every single different types of backgrounds every single type of variety of poets so go there uh, last but not least follow me on all social medias at Dog. follow my resale shop at Secondhand Scoops if you're looking for vintage heat or just dope clothes for the very low um, or maybe not low <laughs> um, and Last but not least, thank you so much to y'all. Oh, I really God, appreciate thank you. Y'all. That was awesome. Please follow follow them. F and Rager. <laughs> this has been a, a, a rager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't plug our show enough. On our no, show. no, no, thank no, no. Follow F and Rager. If you're not following, this is I, I approve. I approve. Whatever, what, whatever you guys do, like you guys. Uh, are such you an know, Muhammad. Host. I think you're gonna be a star. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, man, well, of course, if you do follow F and Rager, uh, you will be on Facebook on December twenty second at eight p.m. when we do our live stream show, F and Rager Nights. Yeah, nice. I'm Connor. Very, very... What's going on on that show? Well, we've got Cody Dale Edgar, who's going to be one of our guests. What? He's such a fantastic friend, performer. He's very, very funny. We've got Finger Food doing a sketch. Uh, Finger Food is also going to be our second guest. They're an improv troupe out of uh, Chicago. They're coming down. Friends of mine from college. Uh, look, this staff, it's great. Jack Killen has something really nice cooking up for y'all. So does Antoine, Rahul. I believe there's going to be a call-in challenge. Can you speak about that? I can't speak out too much. If you guys listen to our gum episode, we did try to make Connor eat gum with enough callers. We're going to make him do something much, much worse on December 22nd. Uh, so make sure to call in. And I'm not going to know what it is until... December 22nd. Until 8 p.m. December 22nd. Yeah, yeah, so I have no idea what it's going to be. I have authorized this. I gave a very short list of no-nos that I will not do. Tattoos, visible tattoos is one of them. Uh, but please, please, please watch this show. It's going to be so fun. We're very, very excited. And that's really all I have to plug. Anything else for you, Ned? That's about it. All right. Oh, wait. Every Thursday at Secret Group, Futile Society improv shows will be starting up on December 27th. That's so come right. out and check that out. You're going, I'll be you're putting the improv boots back on for the first time in a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll go see it. I'm excited. I'm Sweet. excited. I'm excited to see, you know, Dad and his old band get back together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our show for tonight. Uh, I want to thank you once again, Muhammad, for coming on. Yeah, thank you you so much. You You are fantastic. All right, that's our show. Everybody, have a good night. Bye. Bye.